attention, please. This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive 3 until 6 p.m. weekdays on the Sports Hub. I love it. It's brilliant. What are we going to talk about? Talking about. This is The Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. Broadcast live from the Kickback Jacks on New Garden Road in Greensboro. Drop by and say hello if you'd like. We'd love to see you. Ahead of tomorrow's NBA draft, Roy Williams met with local media and conducted what I believe to be one of the most entertaining press conferences I've heard lately. I was listening to it yesterday and thought, all right, let's grab one or two of these clips and replay it, the most interesting stuff, but... He spoke for about 30 minutes, and Coach Williams just kept giving us golden nuggets, funny stuff, enlightening stuff, entertaining stories. He loves telling stories and being the chief entertainer. It's a stark contrast from other coaches we deal with. Coach Gay, coming from Army and his background, when when he's talking to us, he's very sharp and very particular. Every single word has to be correct. It's almost like he's going to war when he's meeting with reporters. Roy Williams, it's like you're speaking with your cool grandpa, telling you awesome stories and not caring what paint he's throwing against the wall. He's just trying to figure out what's going to stick. So rather than pulling one or two of his best clips, here are, here's a full montage of the funny things Roy Williams had to say yesterday. So there's what, 48 million kids on the transfer portal? I don't know. You know, there's a lot of third graders I saw his names on the transfer portal. So uh, it's it's the world we live in. Now, come on, guys. You figure that out and tell me what the hell's going on. So, no, I'm not in favor of any of that kind of crap. <laughs> you guys are all intelligent. Okay? That'd be like putting us in charge of our nuclear arms. We don't know what the crap we're doing. Tattoos, I hate them. You know, I think it looked bad on me, such a reason I don't have them, but uh, I tell them why they're here as a student for us. Try not to get any more while you're here and you're on your own afterwards and before. I can't do anything about that, but uh, uh, Dion's a special kid. <laughs> I didn't. I think I would have remembered that sucker if I'd seen that before, so no, I haven't seen that one. You know, if you're the leading scorer in the history of North Carolina high school basketball, you're pretty good. You know, you don't have to be a nuclear physicist to figure that out. Cam uh, can shoot that basketball. And in case you guys don't know, that thing they hang from the ceiling or hang on the wall is called a scoreboard. It's not a draw charge board. It's not a dive on the floor. It's called a scoreboard. And Golden State could have used Cam because I've never seen a pro game where they play a boxing one. Well, he just got here Sunday. So I said, Mondo, how you doing? He said, good, Coach. How are you doing? And I said, all right, I'll see you. I'm at a loss for words. Do we have a non-conference schedule that's been released? <laughs> you were golfing. Okay. I was down in Pinehurst raising $1.5 million, so it was good. And I assure you, you've got, you got—you. I don't have as much time as you do. Koozie Award Watch, List list Watch, whatever the hell I said. Well, this is June. Uh, you know, so, uh, no, uh, that young man doesn't need me to stand up for him. Whoever made out that list, his name will be on the list. I love Roy Williams asking reporters what the hell is going on. This is what it would sound like when Roy, uh, if Roy walked in when his kids were school age, walked into their room to find that they snuck like a Playboy magazine underneath their bed or something. If we have that sound. Come on, guys. You figure that out and tell me what the hell's going on. So, no, I'm not in favor of any of that kind of crap. That's exactly what it would be, right? I mean, that's the same tone that he has here. Like, you're arguing with your sister. You and your sister are going at it, or you and your brother, and you're fighting who who gets the TV for the next 30 minutes. Come on, guys. You figure that out and tell me what the hell's going on. So, no, I'm not in favor of any of that kind of crap. <laughs> no. We're not, we're not watching another episode of Fairly Odd Parents or whatever the kids' show is now. 
Is that show still on the air? I believe so. I, I wish, we, I I wish we had the younger intern who could help me out here. Nah, See, you got kids. You can, you can reference that. Yeah, uh, the other thing here from Coach Williams, him just it's the, it's the most subtle of humble brags. He doesn't know about a non-conference schedule, and he uses the opportunity to tell us why very casually in a weird flex kind of way. I'm at a loss for words. Do we have a non-conference schedule that's been released? <laughs> you were golfing. Okay. I was down in Pinehurst raising $1.5 million. Wow. <laughs> what were you doing? Yeah. Uh, oh, you, you know about the non-conference schedule? What were you doing? Telling the news, <laughs> writing newspaper articles. I'll tell you what I was doing. Raising money for charitable reasons, $1.5 million specifically, in case you didn't heard. Man, that's a big number. I want to flex that, Roy. Oh, Roy. Yeah, we, that's, that's what he's doing I'll there. Out there. And also, paying homage to John Rothstein, the annoying college basketball reporter for CBS. I don't think he specifically was doing this, so don't come at Roy Williams for that. But uh, it's the CBS report, uh, CBS sports reporter, John Rothstein. He's known to do this is March, the entire month of March, and sometimes not even in the month of March. Roy Williams reminding us what month it is. This is June. That's what it is. I look at the TV. I see Nasir Little talking to ESPN commentators ahead of the draft, getting us excited for tomorrow night. This is June. Yeah, the World Cup's going on. College World Series. Trying to root for Mike Martin, who's trying to make a run. This is June. That's what it is. Telling, telling us nothing but facts. Me getting a tweet just now from Wake Forest head basketball coach Danny Manning saying that he's excited to be on the show tomorrow. Thank you. That's great. This is June. Yes. Usually the time where coaches have time for us radio folk. This is June. On Twitter, at Sports Hub Triad, if you want to reach out to us that way. Danny Manning will be on this show tomorrow. Look forward to catching up. With Coach Manning, obviously somebody who played in the league quite a bit, but on top of that, play coached against many of the players who were going to have their names called in the lottery. Roy Williams, he, he's just a coach who knows he's established as a Hall of Famer, and you're not going to come after him the way you would come after a coach who hasn't quite earned what Coach Williams has earned. So, he can sit there comfortably and not worry about, oh, is this going to come off right? Is this the right thing to say? I wish more people took his approach because usually coaches are starched. They're boring. They're cliche. They're not going to give you much. NFL quarterbacks are that way. Most of the stars in that sport are that way. NBA basketball, it's a little bit different, but usually you don't know the names of most of the coaches in that sport. College basketball is all about the coaches. And a lot of the more established ones feel free to be loose. Coach K, while he does have a different approach than Roy, he's interested in other things than basketball. I heard him last night talking to league commissioner Adam Silver on his radio show, NBA commissioner Adam Silver, who was talking about how the NBA is run like a business. Coach K interjects, yeah, so is college basketball, to the point where Silver had to awkwardly recant and say, ah, no comment on that. No comment on that piece there. <laughs> seeing, seeing the headlines the next day, M NBA Commissioner Adam Silver agrees with Coach K that college basketball operates like a business. I'm sure Mark Emmert would be a big fan of that news coming out. Can we talk here? Can we talk here? Let's talk about this is the sports hub at am 600 am 920 now back to the drive with josh graham we're broadcasting live from the kickback jacks new garden road location in greensboro hayes permar of sports channel 8 kind enough to join us now one of my favorites to talk to on all things that I think are significant to the North Carolina sports scene 
But right now, Hayes, since I'm broadcasting to a bunch of people, and a handful of which have no idea what's happening right now in the way of a sports show and don't know who I am, uh, say something nice, if you will, about me. Josh Grant, how you doing, sir? Uh, you are the best redhead, bespectacled sports host that North Carolina uh, currently has. How about that? Wow, wow. See, there are some people who would say I'm not redheaded, but then others, I mean, is Darren Vaught is va- a redhead or is he strictly brunette? Who, who is denying the laws of nature and trying to claim that you are not a redhead? Uh, you you were just talking to him. Desmond Johnson doesn't believe I'm a redhead. Well, he cuts what? it so short. It's like it doesn't really look red. Like maybe if you grow I, it out or something. I, I don't know. I don't see red when I look at your hair. All right. Now, it's pretty red. <laughs> now, I've seen well, old he's pictures. Got the whole, like, red, he's got the redhead, the whole persona going to him. How, he's a redhead, Desmond. Come on. Oh, wait, dude. Hayes, have you ever looked at Josh's uh, driver's license before? No, uh, I try not to. Fortunately, I've not. Seen okay, it, no. to tell the story. To tell the story very quickly, and this is actually relevant to what we want to talk to Hayes about. Earlier in the week, I got denied a beer at an establishment I don't care to name because my face was smudged on my ID. So much so they didn't believe I was a, I guess, a 21-year-old man. Wow, that's. Uh... That's tough going, um, but you know, do, do you not have some swinging, uh, swinging lady with you that made it easy to wink at the bouncer so you guys could Here, buy? Here's the thing: I actually did, to be completely honest, still uh, not ow, buying it. Ouch. And the person ouch. sitting next to me did the joke where they said, "Oh man, it, you feel they didn't ID me. It makes me. It should make you feel young to get ID'd." I got that joke before I got denied the beer. What is the uh, what is the threshold of where you go from being you know uh, on, uh, offended that they're asking for your ID to honored? Is it like thirty four or something like that? Like uh, you know, somewhere around thirty three. If there's you know they're still asking for your ID, you're like, come on, man. But then when once you hit like thirty five, you're like, oh, thanks. They're looking for my ID. That's awesome. We got to figure out what that age is. That's the not, ID tweet age. The, that sounds tweet about right. the show. Tweet the show at Sports Hub Triad if you have an answer to that. Were you just playing the piano? Did I hear that correctly? Yeah, you know, I didn't want to do it when uh, when when I found out you were on remote, but I was trying to play the song you were coming into. Uh, uh, That's really good. Something like that, right? Ben yeah. Ben Folds. Yeah, not the same Ben Folds. Pretty good stuff. North yeah. Carolina flavor yep. here. But the reason why that last story is relevant to what I want to talk to you about is we, we, we just heard from Dave Doran, who was a little passive-aggressive, talking about the, uh, North Carolina seemingly finally passing legislation that would allow for Carter-Finley Stadium to sell alcohol, beer and wine at NC State football games, and the same at Keenan Stadium and at public universities across the state of North Carolina. My question to you, will alcohol being sold at these games significantly affect how many people are in the stands? Um, I don't think a ton. It'll definitely uh, it'll significantly increase the number of comments we get sold by it. It. I, I, I mean, it'll be tough to predict uh, what it does to the stands. I mean, you know, there'll be some NC State fans where if they truly not only sell alcohol but take away their pass outs, they'll claim that they're going to protest and not buy season tickets. But as you know from doing radio, a lot of times sports fans who make the claim, I won't watch this game, I won't buy tickets because something, something happened, be it political, be it a coach they hired or fired they didn't like. But ultimately, you know, people end up buying tickets and watching games for things different than the things that they claim, you know? So it's kind of tough to discern. There's going to be a lot of squawking uh, on either side about what they should do and how whatever they decide to do will affect. I'm even looking forward to, you know, if Roy Cooper dares to either pass or veto this, are people going to start claiming that, you know, because he's a Carolina guy, he's trying to hurt pass outs, or he's trying to help Carolina? You know, I I can't see what the angle would be, but leave it to sports fans to always find – you know, the rival having some angle on, on your business. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I do think, uh, you know, I think Doran's got a legitimate gripe. He didn't grow up here in North Carolina State. His only interest is trying to see, uh, giving his team the best chance of winning. So, yes, he wants the fans in there. But at the same time, fans are fans. They, they, they are there for the experience. Like, yes, they'd like to see the team win the most. But, uh, again, ultimately – much like we were saying before, fans would vote, yes, my number one priority is for the team to win the most. But when it comes down to it, 
That's not really their priority. They want to enjoy themselves. They would not give up tailgating, even if it meant an undefeated season for NC State. Uh, and, and, and that's true for all fan bases, not just NC State. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out at each of these schools, um, if they, if and where they add alcohol sales, and if they do eliminate passouts or try some sort of like phasing out or you know doing it for some games. I'm not sure exactly how the, how they'll do it. Follow Hayes on Twitter at uh, DHPIV, Hayes Permar of Sports Channel 8, with us here. I think you're the perfect person to answer this question. What school does this news affect the most? What school does – I'm sorry, repeat that question? What school does this legislation affect the most? Well, it's definitely NC State because of the tailgate culture. You know, um, there there is an element at at UNC and NC State – and, I'm, and you probably know better what they do at ECU. Does ECU have a – I'm sure they have, like, a, a private booster area where they do have alcohol sales inside the stadium. It they they do. Little... They do. But the tailgate scene in, in, in Greenville, much like NC State, pretty rowdy. And it just seems fitting yeah. that the first game of the year, ECU is playing at NC State. <laughs> That's true. We'll get a taste of it. I, I understand <laughs> uh, where, you know, universities have been using the, the alcohol sales as, like, leverage to get people to – donate to a certain level, then you could be sitting in the right place or whatever. But it does seem a little bit like you're separating the haves from the have-nots. I mean, I credit Wake Forest. I'm sure that they've had private alcohol, but they were one of the first to at least try to get um, you know, beer sales. First it was like a limited section, and now I think they have it in more places. Uh, but it, it, it starts to feel a little bit like, oh, you know, the, the haves and the have-nots. The, these people can drink alcohol, and for everybody else, you just got to bring your own and uh, deal with it once you get inside the stadium. So in that sense, I'm probably pro uh, put alcohol in the stadiums, let the fans who are disgruntled about if they end pass outs deal with it, and um, we'll see how it shakes out. Hayes lives but definitely all eyes are going to be on NC State for, for what they do. And, I mean, you can already tell the, the beat writers for NC State are going to spend more time talking about it because it is. It's a bigger issue. Tailgating uh, is bigger there than almost anywhere in the state, with ECU probably being in the close second and, and App State up there. Uh, and, you know, UNC, we'll see. It should be a different scene with Mac Brown. But traditionally speaking, uh, the biggest tailgate at any university in the state, I think, is NC State. So that's the one we'll be talking about the most, especially when Another- you combine it with they have the highest level of profile opponents. Hayes Permar from Sports Channel 8 with us. Another headline that's relevant to the sports scene here in North Carolina. The owner of the North Carolina professional soccer team, North Carolina FC, uh, is going to, is set to announce, according to reports, a multi-year drive to build a multi-use soccer facility in hopes of landing a major league soccer franchise. It looks like it's going to be a 20,000-seat stadium in downtown Raleigh, a project that's set to cost $1.9 billion. Here's what I'm interested in. How much are people in Raleigh behind this project and the pursuits of this owner? It comes at an interesting time, Josh Graham, and I am, for, for the purposes of this topic, I'm actually the man on the scene for you because as I stand in my house just south of, or I'm standing in my front yard now because I'm uh, my new puppy is uh, going to the bathroom, just south of downtown Raleigh, they are uh, planning to build this new stadium almost literally. People overuse literally, so I won't say literally, Josh Graham. Almost literally, uh, they are building this stadium in my, in my backyard of my current residence. It is right off the Beltline. Most people, even if you don't live in Raleigh, Triad folks will know, if you're coming off 40 or 440 into downtown Raleigh from that south side, and you come up sort of over a hill, and then it curves down, and you're looking at uh, the, the Shimmer Wall and the buildings and Redhead Amphitheater, um, when you pass from 40 up to that point where you're seeing that view, almost everything that you pass uh, is, is going to become soccer stadium slash downtown entertainment uh, center. Now, there's a couple interesting pivots they've made on this, and I haven't quite answered your question, but I'm going to. One is that Steve Malik, the owner of, you know, bought the Carolina Railhawks, bought the, in, uh, the Courage and brought them down, made him the North Carolina Courage, rebranded into NCFC, made a strong push for MLS, and one of the big things he said he sort of read the, um, you know, the, which way the wind was blowing and said, we're not using public funds to build a new stadium. I've got the money. I'll fund it uh, because that was the, the, the way the things were going. You know, in this time, people don't want to be spending tax dollars on stadiums, especially for billionaires. So he said, we're not using it. But now he's teamed up with 
big time rally developer John Kane, who is very used to take, making deals with the government about how to uh, get his buildings made. made. And I think Kane got in Alex here and said, "Whoa, whoa, 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 buddy, buddy! If, if there's uh, you know if there's government funds that could be used, there's no reason for us not to tap into these." So they are. They're going to be applying for actually Wake County more than Raleigh itself or North Carolina. Uh, Wake County is one of the best government organizations to work with and funding different programs, be they arts, museums, or whatever. So uh, the Carolina Hurricanes and PNC Arena are going to be looking for some funds from the county, and uh, Malik and Kane are going to be looking for some funds. Now, your qu- to your question of the reaction, I do think that soccer is strong here. I do think that merely moving the location from Cary, an area that people don't really go to, that doesn't really have good um, – a good commute and good parking already just by moving it to downtown Raleigh where things are kind of popping off right now. Uh, I think the soccer community will get behind it. However, it does come in. It is still an interesting time politically where not only is it, uh, you know, sort of a a poison pill to be taking a lot of government funds. It's a poison pill to be using up a lot of lands uh, at a time when people want affordable housing. And I know that your sports, Radio listeners aren't that interested in hearing about affordable housing, but when the New York Times is writing about Charlotte and Raleigh and other cities around North Carolina, um, it's going to be an issue. It's going to be something that people use as a means to talk down the state. So expect that to be the pushback of, wait, we're hearing about how there's so much need for land to build more places to live because people want to come to these great cities that North Carolina has. How are we just going to tear up what really right now is, I mean, it's, it's just south of the Josh Graham, and in two hours, There'll be 20 deer running through it. I mean, it is, it, it's surprising to some people that there could be this big old field just south of downtown Raleigh. But uh, for the most part, downtown Raleigh has been growing sort of more towards the north end and a little bit east and west. And this is the first big project that's going to be south. So it, it'll be interesting. And there'll be a lot of things outside of sports that'll be the pushback. But the sports side alone, I think people will, uh, will be embracing of, like, trying to, to bring soccer up. It's also an interesting pivot, and I know this is a super long answer to your question. I don't want to yes, be one of those guys. very you long. Des- you and Desmond, joke, you and Desmond don't, don't joke off air like, oh, man, Permar, we can't ask that guy five questions. He's going too long in his answers. But uh, whereas initially Steve Malik was, you know, guns blazing all about MLS, he has backed off that language and tried to make it more of, hey, we're going to have a great soccer club whether we get MLS or not. And I find that to be an interesting shift. I kind of wish he would keep his foot on the gas, but maybe he fears that he's not going to get that MLS team and he doesn't want to lose momentum for soccer just because it is an MLS soccer. So it may be a ways off if it ever is going to develop into MLS soccer. So it'll be interesting to see how much fans are willing to invest in something that isn't at the top level of the sport. That'll be something to watch for sports fans. While he is unforgivably long-winded, Hayes Permar has very good information there, and you can follow him on Twitter at DHPIV. It's good to hear from you, Hayes. I'm sure we'll be catching up sometime soon. Sorry, man. I'll let you ask more questions next time, and, uh, and I'll, I'll practice my piano pieces better, too, for, All right. for the people hey, well, that uh, kick we, back. We always expect. You, you, want to, you want to give us a, close, a closing note, something, uh, something to close us out with? Play, play um, me off the break, Hayes Permar. Play something that can uh, throw us to break with. Excellent. We will play Joe Wiles' third volume of Movie Line Calls next on The Drive. Oh, look who's back. This is The Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, It is time for our weekly top 10 list. Top 10 NBA draft term. The draft is tomorrow. I'm reading this headline from the New York Post that ESPN has surrendered to Adrian Wojnarowski when it comes to tipping picks for the NBA draft. Remember last year, they said he wasn't allowed to tip the picks, so what he did instead was said that a team was tantalized by the opportunity, by the prospect of drafting somebody. You can't tell Woj not to break news. So ESPN gave in to one of its top reporters and is is essentially saying, if you don't want to know who's being picked, stay off of Twitter. Yeah, good luck with that. (laughs) Wow. It's that easy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. let's not be on Twitter during the draft. Right? You can't tell Adrian Wojnarowski to not be Adrian Wojnarowski. You know, that's, that, I mean, captain. 
<laughs> you're, you're holding me down. You gotta let. Uh, I'm a peacock, Captain. You, you gotta let me fly. That that's what happens when you fire your entire NBA staff at the at that company, and there's only like two reporters left. Like you kind of give them more power. Well, they don't than need what they any more before. reporters. <laughs> you don't need them. We got Woj. We don't need anybody else. Yeah. Oh, Woj breaks everything. Woj breaks more stories than all the other team reporters combined. I wonder, I wonder what that dude's bringing home nowadays. Uh, he's growing maybe I'll ask stature. him next week. Yeah, he's he's going to be in Winston. He's going to be in Winston Salem next should, week. So you should lead off with question. that question. Yep. Hey, we're going to be broadcasting <laughs> from the NSMA uh, seminar next week ahead of the Hall of Fame dinner. If Woj comes up to us with Doris Burke, I'll ask him first question. <laughs> Haven't met the guy before. <laughs> uh, what are you pulling in, friend? Yeah, what uh, what you getting on that weekly uh, Woj? What's up with that? <laughs> when it comes to the way we talk about the draft, it's often repetitive. It's lazy. It's, it's used, it's just soaked in cliches, often that mean nothing, words we just throw around. I, I think it's the bane of my existence, it's why I can't watch the draft. I follow Woj on Twitter rather than watching, but just for these purposes, I'm going to turn the things that anger me, that annoy me into entertainment, the way that Seinfeld or a great comedian would, and we're going to do this with our top 10 list. It's my top 10 draft terms. We have a great team here on site at Kickback Jacks, our, our GM, Al Bunch, and also Heidi Pratt, who does a lot here. Heidi's on site to actually, I get to see her reaction in real time rather than in a studio, to hear what she belovedly calls bougie music. I don't that think that's beloved. Accents, <laughs> that accents our top 10 list each and every week. Des, go ahead and hit it. Yeah, she's not a fan. Yeah, I didn't think she was a actual Not a fan, fan of no. it. Yeah. <laughs> Intern Aaron, since, since I'm in a restaurant, don't really want to embarrass myself. Do you mind doing the duties of what I normally do at this point? I got you. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Very well done. That's a great impression of me. I recognize that. My number 10 draft term. Deceptively quick. Hmm. Okay. Oh, I forgot the newest wrinkle to this, that we're just going to play random sounds, which might also be Michael Jackson. <laughs> Michael Jackson making an appearance on the show. How, how does that work, Des? I mean, you, you said R. Kelly should be canceled, but you're still playing Michael Jackson music on the show? Because Michael, Jackson, Michael Jackson sounds? Michael Jackson was acquitted and he's dead. So there's, there's, I mean, it kind of ended the whole thing. R. Kelly's still going through it, like right was now. Was he found guilty? <laughs> Who, R. Kelly? Yeah. Not the first time, but I believe he's got charges on him right now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but Kidnapping I mean, last, and... I checked, last I checked, we're in the United States of America where you're, uh, you're innocent, uh, innocent until proven guilty. Unless you did which it 25 case, years until ago. He's found, <laughs> which case, until he's found guilty, I'm going to allow, I believe I can fly into R. Kelly sounds on this show. I, mm. uh, popularity be damned. Mm. That's what I got to say to that. Uh, deceptively right. quick people. I've always found that whenever deceptively quick is used, we're talking about white guys most times, right? Uh-huh. He's, yeah. uh, he's, oh. he's quick. Get this. Luka Dunkish. Deceptively quick. Just a deceptively quick player. You know what? You never really hear that about African-American gentlemen. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. We're yeah. just fast. Yeah, we're just fast Luke, all the time. So. Alex, Alex Smith, May. another deceptively fast guy. That's right. <laughs> Luke he's May, very deceptively quick. <laughs> Number nine, my number nine draft term, can't miss. Mm. <laughs> oh, hey, Kawhi. Hey, hey, Kawhi. Can't miss prospect. I think there are only three players I know for sure are going to be great, but I think there are five who have potential to be, like, mega stars. I think it's Zion. R.J. Barrett, John Morant, Darius Garland, and DeAndre Hunter. I think those are the five who have chances to be mega stars. In terms of can't-miss players, I think it's Zion, R.J., and DeAndre Hunter. Those three players, I know for sure they're going to be good players. See, I'm looking the at rest, 
yeah, there's a chance it's going to be. Between 10 and like 17, somebody's going to come out of that group that's going to be that Kawhi Leonard, nobody saw it coming type of guy. And there's a lot of guys in that are all the draft? same. Yeah, I think in so. this draft? I do. I really I think so. This draft. See, that was a loaded draft with Kawhi and Giannis when they came, they, when they were taken to the team. So that was usually it? happens every five years. Every mm. five years you see something like that happen. I don't know if that if this is the draft where we see something like that. Maybe a Bull Bull or someone like that. I think it could but, be somebody from our backyard, like Nas Little. I mean, we, we don't know. We won't know for another three or four years, you know, so we'll come back to that then. But I just feel like there's going to be somebody late in that first or mid-first that's going to end up being like an all-star kind of guy that none I of us saw. I can't see intern Aaron's face right now, but I can imagine what it looks like when Dez takes the opportunity to say a Tar Heel for the one that's going to be the star pick 10 to 17. Well, I'm, I, I, mean, I can't yeah. see his face right now, but that doesn't surprise me in the slightest. He, he came in the year ranked number three. I mean, number it's not like I'm making a eight. <laughs> Number eight on the list. Cam Reddish was picked a little bit higher than Nasir Little. Notice you didn't bring him up. Number eight on my list. Top ten draft term. No comment. Checks all the boxes. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, more Michael Jackson. Yeah, man. So, checks all the boxes. What are the boxes? They're just oh. the boxes. Like no one I mean, ever goes. The and said, what, the, what, are, what are those? Like boxes? Zion Williamson, he checks all the boxes. You got physicality. I mean, uh, athleticism. He's got the size. He's young. He checks all the boxes. Hopefully, you find someone in life that you want to love forever who checks all the boxes for you. I don't know what your boxes may be, but it might be. I need somebody who's tall, or I need somebody who's smart, or I need somebody who's sweet. Or I need somebody who holds a pretty significant job a lot of boxes. that makes a lot of money. Yeah, that's a lot of boxes there. Good old uh, box yeah. check. What, uh, I wonder if any any announcer called Zion deceptively quick this season. I don't think so. They should have. He's built like a left tackle. A de- I've heard deceptively good passer with Zion Williamson. Deceptively good passer. With, I, I feel mean, like I have someone heard, heard someone ACC say tournament, that. I feel like I have that heard bounce someone say Deceptively good passer. I think Zion lacks one particular characteristic for the deceptively quick category. I'll let you piece together what that might be. Number seven. <laughs> My number seven draft term. Intangibles. Intangibles. You always want somebody who has all the intangibles. You know. Somebody who's mature. Cam Johnson has the intangibles. Mature kid. He, he's a good locker room guy. He's a leader in the locker room. Leader of men. That's yeah. a good one. These are other ones that could make the list. <laughs> yeah. Leader of men, locker room guy. All pretty good. Number six. My number six draft term. Basketball IQ. Ooh, yeah, that's a good yeah. one. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Jay Nobody Billis is somewhere writing these down. Low. <laughs> Nobody has low basketball IQ. Nobody goes there, but they make sure to point out if they have high basketball IQ. That would be refreshing if they did. You know, I really Jay like Billis this guy. Jay Billis sounds like the guy who would. Yeah, I know, right? He's got a really low basketball IQ, though. Who's, I think I'd stay away from I, him. Who's the player with I really the low like basketball the little. IQ? Yeah, I really <laughs> like the Sear Little, but he's got low basketball IQ. See, that doesn't even fit him. He's like a straight-A kid or something. You need somebody well, that, like we're a... We're talking about uh, basketball so. IQ. The what, book. like... Listen to the people basketball who, who what tested is basketball the best. IQ? Listen to the people who tested the best in the Wonderlic, for example. We're talking about football. Jameis Winston was one of the best in the history of the Wonderlic. Uh-oh. That guy sounds like he can't read a book. <laughs> he does. And and before you before you come at me and say that sounds racist, listen to Jameis Winston the content of what he has yeah, to say. He, he Not what tell- he sounds like. It's the content <laughs> of what Jameis Winston has to say. I, Don't he, come at me He grew up in Alabama. That way. He grew up in Alabama. No, I think the, the best proof of that is the uh, the Eat the W clip. Have you seen that clip? No. Video clip? Uh-uh. Or what, or what <laughs> he said when he stepped on a table inside a dorm eatery that led to him being suspended for a half. Yeah. I can't say that on the radio right now, he got but you have operatable Google account, <laughs> or you could just go to google.com and, and search that up, kids. Number five. <laughs> That's great. My number five draft term, <laughs> high motor. High motor. 
Was that Kawhi again? That's Kawhi Is that scoff. who that was? Yeah. Let me hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Kawhi Langdon said, J.R. Smith was someone labeled with low basketball IQ. Good point. That actually panned itself out. So, yeah. That's number four. <laughs> my number four draft term. All the measurables. He's, yeah. <laughs> Zion has all the measurables. All the measurables. That's a word that ticks me off. What are they measuring? It throws me full of rage. It wants me to get into a fist the fight boxes. right outside the kickback jacks parking lot. <laughs> number three. My number three draft term. Student of the game. Mm. It's really good. Student of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody, if there was a book for basketball, just reading Every single day. How do you even get this? How do you get that title if you're a player? That you're a student, student of, the game? of the game. Yeah, what are you doing to become a student of the game? Working on that basketball IQ. <laughs> it's, it's not low. You're, you're first in the it's gym. First in the gym and last one to leave. Best friends with the coach. CK, <laughs> coach's kid. Number two. <laughs> my number two draft term. Big board. Hmm. Got your big board out there. Okay. That sound just always brings me back. Number one, <laughs> my number one draft term, Jim Rat. Ooh. I always picture when Such I hear random sound. <laughs> when I hear Jim Rat, I picture this five foot six white kid with like a rat tail that's just running people off the YMCA court like has, all day. <laughs> has a black man or woman ever been labeled as a Jim Rat? Has that ever happened? I don't think so. It's don't always so. the white guy. It's, it's always the short white the guy. Rat. It's the short yeah. white kid that never gets picked, and he's just like, he's got the headband on, he's got an armband, he's brought in like a jug of water. Like, he's, yep. he's ready. He's got the new Jordans on. Grace Nallon is probably a gym rat. Grace Nallon is a gym I, rat. Yeah. Other ones that were on the outside looking <laughs> in, like physical specimen, oh, freak. Yeah. Usually, uh, <laughs> I mean, these all tend to go in a racial direction if you want it to. Uh If you want to go in that category. I don't know many white athletes who are labeled as freaks. Yeah, freakish. Freakish Freakish. jumping ability. Freakish strength. Maybe Christian McCaffrey. Maybe. I think I have heard that with him. Freakish speed or something like that applied to CMC. Plus the arm. He's deceptively quick. (laughs) This would have been really hard to do wordplay. Like the Chicago intangibles. Yeah, or I think you did Mike, right. or Mike Quick hands. <laughs> yeah, or <laughs> rather than Jim Rat, Jim Kelly. Nah, you did it right. You made the right or choice. Or Buster <laughs> Douglas. I'm surprised I didn't hear a low floor, high ceiling. Mm. Oh, ceiling! I, I had written down ceiling. Low I didn't. Floor. Uh, I didn't get to that. High ceiling. Prototypical. Outside looking in. The pro body. Yeah, yeah pro body. <laughs> it was pretty close. <laughs> Fun stuff. Oh my Up gosh. next, the most entertaining press conference I've ever heard in a while. Or wait, those two don't check out. It's the uh, it, it's the most entertaining press conference I've heard in a while. Ever in a while? In a while? You get the point. Keep it on the drive. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham, The The Sports Sports Hub, at AM 600, AM 920. I thought he was the best player on our team during the summer. And so, yeah, I think it was at that point, uh, you know, if you're the leading scorer in the history of North Carolina high school basketball, you're pretty good. You know, you don't have to be a nuclear physicist to figure that out. <laughs> Delivering that line only how Roy Williams can. That is the North Carolina basketball coach talking about Kobe White, who is set to be a lottery pick tomorrow after, I think, the past year. Last year at this time, he wasn't even projected to be a first-round draft pick, let alone somebody who left North Carolina as a one-and-done. I do believe he's the best one-and-done North Carolina's ever had. Now, I know Marvin Williams was drafted a little bit higher than where Kobe White is going to be taken. He was taken second in the 2005 draft, and I know Marvin Williams was a part of a national title team, even though he came off the bench. 
but Kobe White, he, he did more for his team. His team needed him more than that 05 team needed Marvin, regardless of where you think he belongs among the five one-and-dones at North Carolina. Kobe White's my favorite person to get to know and my favorite story of somebody who's had success with the Tar Heels in recent year. I'm interested in how he's going to be remembered, though. Since he was only here for one season, despite him maybe being the best one-and-done UNC's had and maybe the best scoring point guard Roy Williams has had, and that's coming from Roy Williams himself saying that during the season, it, it is only one year. So 15, 20 years from now, are, are we going to look back and still remember what Kobe White did even though North Carolina didn't make it to the Final Four? And North Carolina didn't win a national title like Marvin Williams' team did. Mm-hmm. Altogether, I think this team's going to be, this year is going to be fascinating for us to remember. Kobe White at UNC, Zion Williamson, RJ Barrett, and Cam Reddish at Duke. This, this is going to be a year, even though neither the Blue Devils nor the Tar Heels won the title or even made it to the Final Four. It, it's one of the more memorable college basketball seasons I can think of in the last 10 years. I I think that Kobe's definitely got a shot. I mean, he's going to have the size coming right in. He's 6'5", 190, so he's built to go ahead and start right away at either guard position, although I think eventually he's going to settle in at shooting guard and just be able to I handle the ball in spells. Um, I actually I, – I, w- I want to put a uh, all-points bulletin out for Tony Bradley because dude had the, the, the skill to really excel. His main problem is that he got traded to the, the Jazz – and he's behind Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors, and he can't get out of the G League for it. It's almost like he needs to get traded to a spot that could use a, a good young post player that could grow. And I think he, he would have an opportunity, but he's on the verge of get, being forgotten. I think a lot of people have forgotten about Tony Bradley even being a one-and-done player well, he for came off He came off the bench, and he wasn't drafted very high. Marvin, Here are the five one-and-done North Carolina Tar Heels. Marvin Williams in 2005, Brendan Wright in 2007, Tony Bradley, as you mentioned, then the two this year, Nasir Little and Kobe White. Everybody loves him, Kobe. The Players' Tribune story about his dad earlier this week. Grant Wilkerson New spoke with Kobe's mom for about 40 to 45 minutes, and that's going to lead to a story that you can find at the Greensboro News and Record. And knowing Brant, him being an award-winning writer, that's going to be something you're not going to want to miss if you're a Tar Heel fan or even somebody who doesn't care as much but likes the human element of things. Then there's this anecdote from Roy Williams at his press conference yesterday talking about his impression of Kobe after getting to know his father who passed away um, a little over a year ago and also just the family altogether, his early encounters. One of my favorite moments from with Kobe White was when we went in the home officially. Uh, you don't do that in the kids until his senior year. And so we go in the home in the fall of his senior year, and his dad had passed a couple of months before, and uh, and he had been committed to us for since the summer after his sophomore year. But I stand in the middle of the room, and I'm looking. I said, Mom, where do you want to sit? Because I don't want to get your chair. And Kobe's sitting in this nice, comfortable recliner. And she said, get up. Bam, he jumped up. And I thought, my kind of kid. Because Mom said, get up. And she didn't. So she said, you sit right here, Coach. His dad was pretty doggone neat, but mom's strong and sister and brother. It's a great family. Kobe White, I think he's going to be a lottery pick. I, I think there are still some significant questions with him. I think he, he's 6'5". He's he has a great handle, great shot, great speed, elite level speed. and He has a lot of the tools, and he's, again, going to be taken in the top ten tomorrow and should be, but... We don't know if he's a point guard. We don't know if he's going to settle in and just be a shooting guard. We, we fi- we're trying to figure out those questions. He doesn't have a big wingspan. He hasn't been that good defensively. So there are some holes in his game, but there are holes pretty much with everybody's game here, just some a little bit more than others. And you parse differences when you look at the NBA draft after you get through the first three or four picks. How about today, though? being a significant day in North Carolina and ACC sports history. In a positive sense, 13 years ago today, North Carolina won its first 
and only major professional championship in professional sports. The Carolina Hurricanes won the Stanley Cup, Game 7, against the Edmonton Oilers. Justin Williams hitting the empty netter to make it 3-1 to one with a little over one minute to go in what was called RBC Center at the time, now PNC Arena, the building mostly standing for most of the game. Pretty neat, the Hurricanes winning 13 years ago today. I'm trying to remember exactly where I was. I still kick myself for taking a vacation when the Hurricanes were hosting a Game 7, but also being on vacation when the, the parade happened. I miss that. Uh, the Hurricanes and the Orioles are the two teams I love the most. The Orioles haven't sniffed the title in forever. And the Hurricanes, when they won, I, I, I was out of town, didn't get a chance to go to that victory parade. That's the positive of June the 19th. That was in 2006. June the 19th of 1986, not a very positive headline. Lynn Bias passed away. Lynn Bias oh, died. Man. Shockingly, the great Maryland player and was likely, it's one of the biggest what-ifs in sports. That was already a historic Boston Celtics team that had just won the title in 1986. They were going to add Lynn Bias to the mix, who anybody, historians from the ACC in the 80s will say, it was Jordan, it was Ralph Sampson, and it was Lynn Bias. And parsing details to figure out who the best of the three was was almost impossible. But yeah. 23, or make it 33 years ago today, Lynn Bias dead right after being drafted by the Boston Celtics. Man, Lynn Bias, man. I, in 86, I was 8, 9 years old and old enough to kind of start recognizing players I really liked and attributes and whatnot. Lynn Bias was Jordan like year 2 or 3 with the Bulls while at Maryland. Like he was that much more advanced than what Jordan was. And he was just... So good. He was good at everything. He had maybe the purest jump shot I've ever seen. He was super athletic. He wasn't scared of anybody. Guys were scared of him. Like he was he was gonna be Jordan before Jordan. And if you picture putting him on that eighty six Celtics team, which many consider maybe one of the best Celtic teams of all time, I mean, it just it would have took them into another decade of just Celtic dominance if he had been there to be able to kind of take the torch from Larry. Just a sad situation, and uh, that's a really good 30 for 30 on you, him, too. You can vote. Yes, it is. You can vote on our Twitter poll for what is the best movie call from Volume 3 of Joe Wilde's movie lines. He's been finagling movie lines from the audience into his play-by-play for the dash all first half, and we're trying to figure out what the best call from the first half is. Let's go through the final four. I believe this to be... The best batch we've had so far. Let's start with the dodgeball reference, making it into the Dash broadcast. 2-1 Fayetteville, top of the sixth inning, but Scout shot went way over that wall in right field. A solo blast to make it a 2-1 ball game. Saying with the bat to the pitcher, J.P. France. Ouchtown, population, you bro. <laughs> it's the best color commentator in all of sports movies, Jason Bateman. <laughs> Pepper's going to need a new pair of shorts. What's next, Des? The set from Togner and the pitch. It is a fastball away. Count is at 1-0. Well, just as one does not simply walk into Mordor, one does not simply walk into a first and third one-out situation and try to dominate. Gosh, it's just so applicable. He, he nails it. It's so smooth. You don't just walk into a first and third situation. The same way you just don't walk into Mordor. Uh, it's, it's really good. This Pulp Fiction line, I think, is the favorite. You can vote on this on Twitter, at Sports Up Dryad. This Pulp Fiction line, I think, should win. Man, it's low and outside. Count is at one and two. Close pitch there from King Cannon. But King Cannon's got a big enough frame that you can see him off the field riding a chopper, saying to his loved one, Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. Yeah. You could just picture that person riding a chopper. Heavy, big, big set guy, big muscles. <laughs> uh, not riding a bike, not riding a motorcycle. Chopper. Making sure to clarify, much like Bruce Willis did, that it's in fact a chopper. What's the last of this batch? Daniel Gonzalez now with the double-A Birmingham Barons. But, Connor, he is the sweetest guy. Have you ever stared into his eyes? It was like the first time I heard the Beatles. He's that nice. <laughs> That's my favorite out of this it's, batch. It's such a quote. <laughs> 
quotable movie. I still don't think Superbad is more quotable than Anchorman, but it's close. I think it's that, those are it's the that ones, one for that generation. Those are the ones you can vote on, right? Yeah. Vote on those. Figure out which one's the best. You can tweet us at Sports Up Triad, but make sure you vote on that, and we'll tell you what the winner is tomorrow. One of our favorite guests is ESPN's Ryan McGee, who's going to be covering the College World Series in Omaha. On top of that, he wrote the book on college baseball on the road to the College World Series. He tells the best stories. So Ryan McGee will tell us incredible baseball stories on this show next. Let's begin. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham, the Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. ESPN's Ryan McGee with us now. Somebody who's going to be covering the College World Series in Omaha. We're going to be co-sponsors. We already call it co-publishers, I should say, on Ryan McGee's next book. If he writes one on minor league baseball in the state of North Carolina. The last time he was with us, he told the story where he was working with the Asheville Tourist. And when they hit BP and hit home runs out the center, apparently there was this man who was fearful of nothing. And there were snakes biting his arm as he came back with baseballs and sold it back to the team. Ryan belovedly referred to him as the mountain man last time he was with us. So the standard is set pretty high, Ryan, for this visit in terms of stories. But how are you doing? I'm good, yeah. You don't understand the, the, uh, the pride I take in the fact that the legacy of the mountain man lives. And he, he just moved a little down I-40. But now people now people in an entirely different market. <laughs> know who the mountain man is and that's uh that's big it's really big what does omaha and the college world series represent to you being somebody who's the son of an naia national champ at east carolina in the 60s yeah well it's funny too because uh i'm not going to compare my dad to the what the 72 dolphins but you know they're torn because the guys that played on the last east carolina team to play in a college world series are always so disappointed when East Carolina is inevitably good and they fall a little short of making it to the College World Series. But I think they're also a little relieved because they still get to say we're the last team that made it to a College World Series. But, no, it's, I say this all the time. You know, I'm very fortunate in that uh, ESPN pays me to go to a lot of awesome events. And my favorite, um, certainly among my top two or three favorites, is the College World Series. And that goes back to – dad i mean my dad uh, i grew up in raleigh and uh, as you guys know I mean, right there on tobacco road it's such a great place to grow up and and you know i grew up going to college baseball games and so we always dreamed of we'd watch the college world series on espn you know in the 80s and we dream of going out to omaha one day and dad and i finally got to do that in 2001 and we did it several years in a row and uh, and i was i loved it just as much as i thought i would i loved it more than i thought i would and, uh, you know, I wrote a worst-selling book about the College World Series because I loved it so much. And so it's, uh, I, I'm getting on a plane Friday, and, uh, and I could not be happier. I did not get to go last year, and my wife declared that uh, I have to figure out a way to go every year because she's sick of me moping around the house while I'm watching games <laughs> and not there. I'll, t- I'll, be, I'll be honest, though. I love the College World Series, but it just doesn't feel the same with TD Ameritrade Park versus old Rosenblatt. I know I sound old curmudgeon guy like Grandpa yelling at the kids to get off his lawn by saying it that way. But it just feels like the fences are too deep. I know NC State fans still remember when they went, and they're convinced Trey Turner would have a home run in any other ballpark except for that one. But speaking of Rosenblatt and the history there in Omaha, what's the best story you could tell me you experienced there? Well, it's why I wrote the book. I mean, I wrote a book it was, it was 10 years ago now. It's called The Road to Omaha. And the reason we wrote it 10 years ago was because Rosenblatt – was in its final days. I think the book, my book opened with the deal that was announced and the cutting of the tape and the shovels in the ground and all that in the parking lot of what is now, you know, TD Ameritrade Park. And, and I'm with you. Listen, I, I, I always have mixed feelings. I always drive up the hill on 13th Street. Uh, you know, what used to be Rosenblatt is now the parking lot to the zoo. That you, you, All the Rosenblatt, you always see that kind of weird dome over in right field. That's the zoo. That's the aviary. And so the zoo... Uh, bought that land, and it's a parking lot, but what they've done is awesome because the foul poles from Rosenblatt are still there. 
and home plate is still there. And what they did was they actually made a little t-ball field built around the original home plate for Rosenblatt, and there's original seats from Rosenblatt that are all around uh, that little t-ball uh, field. It's awesome. It's also sad because because Rosenblatt's gone. But TD Ameritrade's getting there. I'm really curious to get out there after missing last year and see what it's like around the ballpark. Because what TD Ameritrade never had that Rosenblatt had was the neighborhood. Rosenblatt sat in the middle of a neighborhood, and those are the best stories. I always think about that year in 2008 when Fresno State won and some lunatic ran across the field with no clothes on. And, uh, you know, he was arrested and they dragged him off and all that stuff. And apparently in the 70s, that was a pretty frequent thing. The guys that worked at the ballpark forever told me, one guy walked up in the middle of a game and walked up to the plate with a wiffle ball bat completely naked and then, like, ran around the bases. This is like in the mid-'70s, ran around the bases and jumped over the fence and disappeared and never saw him again. Well, this guy uh, who jumped the fence at Rosenblatt and ran around naked got, I mean, got blasted. I mean, he got decleated by a member of the grounds crew, and they dragged him off and they take him to jail. Well, there was a place called Starkey's right across the street from the ballpark in the old neighborhood, and I went over there at 1 o'clock in the morning to get a beer before I went back to the hotel, and there's this guy with his shirt off bragging to everybody in the, in, in, the, in the bar that he was the guy that was on the field. I'm like, there's no way. And turn out, it was him. And he had to go back to court because he had gotten a, a citation and they were going to put him in jail for like a day or whatever. And the attorney who defended him in court successfully was another drunk guy he met in the bar that night across the street from Rosenblatt. And I witnessed the whole thing. And I was like, all right, there you go, dude. <laughs> you should know. That story, I know it hit well because we're broadcasting live from the Kickback Jackson Greensboro, and I, I see a lot of people laughing and turning around at the idea of somebody walking up to uh, uh, to the plate butt naked with a wiffle ball bat and then escaping the authorities to brag about it later on. ESPN's Ryan McGee with us on Twitter, at ESPN McGee. Mike Martin, though, I would argue probably the best story in all of sports right now. 40 years at Florida State, 40, 40 win seasons, and he's here in Omaha after we didn't know if Florida State was going to make this field of 64. Just how wild is this run as somebody who's covered college baseball as long as you have and is certainly familiar with Coach Martin? Oh, it's incredible. And, and, and what's even more incredible is I think about all the great teams that, I mean, almost, almost 20 teams now were, were in the ballpark of 20 teams that Mike Martin has taken to Omaha, including when he was a player at Florida State and was an assistant under Dick Hauser at Florida State. And those teams have never won a championship. And some of the teams that he took to Omaha, I mean, you go through the list of players, the, the All-Americans and the Golden Spikes Award winners. I mean, I was there in 08 when Buster Posey was clearly the best player there, and they lost in two games. It was two and Q. Is what Mike Martin's the one who coined that phrase, like as in two of, in a barbecue. You play two games – have a barbecue and go back to the house. And so for this team, which looked like it was going to be his only team not to win 40 games, and it made a quick exit out of the ACC tournament in Durham, to this team to have gone on the road and won in two very difficult places against two nationally ranked teams, two nationally seeded teams. Mike Martin never coached at LSU, and they went to LSU and won Super Regional. And so, yeah, no, you're right, it's great. And, and I think that I've been working with our, our ESPN TV people. Um, you know, Mike Martin was the guy who did our open for the entire College World Series. I wrote a script that he read, and, uh, and, and I also wrote a script that <laughs> helped him write a script kind of saying his goodbye. And when I talked to him on the phone, he goes, you know what, let's just make a deal. and let's just, Why don't I just not ever have to run this on TV? I go, Coach, I'm all about it. So, and listen, he's a North Carolina guy. You know, they, 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 ESPN keeps saying, my, my TV buddies keep saying he was from Gastonia. He's from South Charlotte. Two years at Wingate uh, University when it was a junior college. He's in the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, he's lived down there in uh, Tallahassee his entire life. But his family is still right here in North Carolina. I, I want to get to a couple other quick hitters. You cover a lot of college football, and there's a big headline in your home state here in North Carolina. The North Carolina Senate is just okay to beer and wine sales piece of legislation, and it looks like this bipartisan North Carolina House bill is going to make it to Governor Cooper's desk later on tonight. He expects to sign it, and that means I can't think of a better way to consummate this this piece of legisl legislation coming into fruition than 
NC State hosting East Carolina the first game of the year. But the SEC, they okayed this with a rule a month ago or so. Just how big of a deal is this, you think? Well, I mean, listen, I say this all the time. I got no problem with people having a good time at a football game. My concern is they have too good of a time. You know, I have a 14-year-old daughter, and a lot of her memories of going to college football games aren't good ones. And the reason is because, I mean, listen, I used to go to NC State East Carolina games in Raleigh in the 80s, and my memories of those games aren't so much about the actual game as it is the drunk guys fighting in the parking lot at midnight trying to get out of Carter Finley. And so that's what I worry about is, listen, if you want to drink at the game, you're going to drink at the game, and you're going to tailgate and, and all that. But I also don't mind, you know, that guy not being able to buy more alcohol when he gets in the ballpark so, or in the stadium. And so I, I have mixed feelings about it. My, my concern is everybody, everybody knows that attendance is softening in college football. That's not a secret. But everybody keeps trying to convince me that being able to buy a beer in the stadium is the magic bullet that's going to solve that problem. And I don't agree with that. And, uh, and, but, but that being said, it's going to be fine. We'll all survive. And uh, obviously somebody's going to make some money, which I think. And, 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 hey, we finally found something that both sides of the aisle in Raleigh could agree on, <laughs> which is drinking at a football game. Uh, another thing, I mean, one thing that people won't really agree on is just how entertaining the person I'm about to bring up really is, and that's Roy Williams. Yesterday, he, he, he spoke for about 30 minutes. It was one of the more entertaining uh, press conferences I've ever heard. He was talking about non-conference scheduling. It was the most humble of brags you're ever going to hear. Yeah. Uh, the entire thing was great, but here's a piece of Roy Williams' press conference. I'm at a loss for words. Do we have a non-conference schedule that's been released? <laughs> you were golfing. Okay. I was down in Pinehurst raising $1.5 million. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, just, just letting you know that yeah. uh, the reason the reason I didn't know about that schedule, just, you know, $1.5 yeah. million, raising that, nothing. And, and put and put a specific number on it. Yeah, that's that's what I you – know, you, coaches will tell you all the time they were at a fundraiser. Uh, but I give Roy credit because he went on and just tacked an actual number onto it. But, yeah, it's uh, – um, but I'll say this. I mean, I say for football, I say for basketball, uh, don't complain. And, and in college baseball, when, when the seeding comes out for the tournament, don't complain to me in in March or in the case of college football in, in the fall when the committees won't give you the, the, uh, the, the you know all the credit that you want and you played New Mexico State and some school I've never heard of, and athletes in action. You know, go play somebody, and then you got a pretty good resume. Even if you lose the game in the room, uh, it means something to somebody. And and you know, and if you're in the room, you can raise one point five million dollars to that too. What makes Roy Williams different from other coaches you talk to? Well, to me, there's just a frankness to him. You know, and and I, I think that you know the all shucks thing is he, he's fully aware of what he's doing with that. I think that's honestly who he is. The first time I met Roy Williams, interestingly enough, was at Rosenblatt Stadium. Uh, I was out with my dad at the College World Series, and um, North Carolina was in this run where it went like three or four years in a row, and the old Zesto milkshake place right outside of old Rosenblatt Stadium, I was standing in line to get a milkshake and a hamburger in between games, and there was Roy. And, uh, and he was there to support North Carolina and Mike Fox and those guys, and, and I had my first kind of casual chat with him, and what struck me was, was that talking to Roy – standing in line right there, completely off the record, no tape recorder in my hand. He didn't know who I was. When I talked to him just standing there talking about, you know, Kansas and North Carolina and baseball and whatever else, when I talked to him in a formal press conference situation about an academic scandal, he talked to me the exact same way. And so in the end, as a, as a, as a writer, that's all I can ask for. It's ESPN's Ryan McGee, somebody I rely on on all things baseball, football, and whatever else we're talking about, quite frankly. If we're talking about food, see, we're here in a kickback, Jacks. So if I take that off the board of good restaurants that you could have here in Greensboro, tell me the spot, hole in the wall. You're going to Greensboro, you need to get food. What are you getting? Well, uh, I, well I, I, I'm a Stamey's guy. I mean, my daughter just sang in like an all-state middle school chorus like a month ago. And no one was hungry, and I made them walk across the street from the Greensboro Coliseum to get stains anyway. I know that's not exactly uh, something nobody's ever heard of. But, uh, but yeah, I also, listen, no offense to Greensboro, when I get to Greensboro, my truck just automatically kind of points itself toward Pullums to go get a, a hot dog in Winston-Salem. I can't, get, I can't get anywhere near the triad without my truck just automatically driving itself up there. And so, uh, yeah. so I've been known to do that 
maybe 70 or 80 times on the way to Martinsville. I, I think you directed your colleagues well, though. When we, when we were in Charlotte for the ACC tournament, Reese Davis, Jay Williams, and friends stopped by and hung out with us a little bit. And then afterwards they said, hey, here's how you're making it up to us. Next year when we're in Greensboro, you're, you're taking us to Stamey's. So yeah. people understand it. I mean, you, you coach them well. I think, I think I'm going to give the credit to you or Marty Smith there. No way. Hey, Marty, because Marty doesn't eat barbecue. Marty, Marty doesn't eat anything that wasn't, like, you know, <laughs> hand-milled by some woman in Nepal or something. He doesn't eat real food. And so you know, that was absolutely me. In fact, I, I, walked, uh, I walked into a production meeting. Um, uh, it was, I, drew, I drove through Greensboro on my way to the Triangle for a football game, and I walked into a TV production meeting, and I threw a big old stack of Stamey stickers like on the table. And I said, who's been here? And uh, I got I think one guy, one director, one fat director raised his hand. Everybody else had And I go, all right, you know, field trip. And so, yeah, it's, uh, no, that's my, hey, you know, I lived in Connecticut up to ESPN at Death Star for a couple of years. And, and what they try to, what I try, they try to say is barbecue is not. It's actually just a steak. And I'm like, y'all don't even know. It's not even a verb. What are y'all doing up here? <laughs> Ryan, enjoy the steak in Omaha. Enjoy the zoo and the baseball. Appreciate you visiting uh, with us. We appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks. You got it. That's Ryan McGee of ESPN. Great as always. Always seems to deliver. Um, can we let, let's hear from Dave Doran if we have a second. Dave Doran you, I sense passive aggressiveness in the way that he's talking here. The way that he's speaking about this legislation going through and what is it seemed to be an, an inevitability that we're going to finally sell beer and wine at NC State, ECU, North Carolina, Appalachian State football and basketball games. It had to happen. Dave Doran was asked about it, and I sense a tinge of passive aggressiveness here. Well, it definitely gives them the option to not leave. You know, uh, if that's why they were going out in the parking lot, then they'll have that option not to. To be in a 15-minute halftime, you know, save their legs a little bit, let them relax and watch some of the halftime stuff on the TVs. You know, obviously generates revenue for the university and for the program as well, which everybody's in favor of that. But, uh, you know, we have one of the best game days in the country in the first, second quarter. It would be awesome to be able to keep it that way in the third. Yeah. Oh, yeah, people were just leaving in the third quarter. Yeah, we have some of the best environments in the first half. People are, are, I think people are leaving because it's a noon kick, Dave, and you're losing to Wake Forest and Syracuse. That might be the reason more than the fact that, and now I know Wake uh, State fans, the game was played in the Carrier Dome last year, but you get the principle. Thursday night, losing to Wake Forest when half their roster's out. Maybe worry about that a little bit uh, more than about the, the fans staying in the stands for the first half and then remaining there for the third quarter. I don't know how much that has to do with beer sales, though. Like, I don't think anyone's going, you know, I've made it all the way into the stadium, but I really badly want another brew, so I'm going to leave this game that I would have otherwise been staying at if, by some miracle, I can pay 8 to $10 for a beer and wait in line for 20 minutes and already miss some of the third quarter. Like, it's, it's just ridiculous. Tomorrow, Danny Manning is going to be on this show. We're going to chat with the Wake basketball coach. We'll also visit with Joe Weil as well from the Winston-Salem Dash. Continue to vote on those lines, by the way, on Twitter from his most recent volume. We're going to be sharing with Darren Vaught on Friday, Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News later on in the week. Dez, what do you got in Ticket to the House stories today? Uh, a uh, Eddie Murphy sequel that will be landing in theaters next year uh, has added to their cast. It may not be the movie that you want to have a sequel of. We'll talk about right. that. Eddie Murphy's still making movies. We'll find it out is. next.